Turn with me in your Bibles, please, this evening to the book of Exodus. We're turning to the book of Exodus and the chapter 30, please. There are a number of readings again from God's Word this evening in order for us to make sense of this golden altar of incense. That's what we're coming to consider this evening, the altar of incense, or the golden altar, more accurately, um, of incense. And we'll have a number of readings here in God's Word together as we make sense of this. Exodus chapter 30, please, and the verse 1. And this is the word of the Lord, and we read, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon, of shittim wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof, the horns thereof shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof, round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make on unto it a crown of gold round about. And two golden rings shalt thou make to it under the crown of it, uh, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it. And they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shatim wood, and overlay them with gold. Uh, and thou shalt put it before the veil, uh, that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat, that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning, when he dresseth the lamps, and he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of, of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. A second reading, please, in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, please, in Psalm 141. And just the first two verses there. Psalm 141. And the first two verses there. We read there. Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste unto me, and give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee, now here's the key word, as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. I believe David here is using the imagery that we find here at this altar of incense. He says in verse 2, let my prayer be set forth before thee as Incense. So that's that incense rising from the altar. Another reading, please, in the book of Romans. This is our penultimate reading. The book of Romans, please, in the chapter 8 and the verse 31. Romans chapter 8 and the verse 31. We read there, 
what what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. The key verse there for us this evening being verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Christ praying for you and for me. A final reading, one final reading in Revelation, please, in the chapter 8 and the verse 3. Revelation chapter 8 and the verse 3, just one verse. We read there, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, And there was given unto him much, here's our word, incense, that he should offer it with the prayers, there's the connection with incense and prayers again, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, there's our golden altar, which was before the throne. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. Now, as we continue our journey through the tabernacle, we've been reminded of many lessons about ourselves and our Savior over the last number of weeks. We've walked with the Israelite, who, of course, walked through that one gate at the east side, And the only gate that he could get in, it was the one way into the courtyard of the tabernacle, reminding us that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, the only door, the only gate to salvation. Of course, we thought about that last Sunday evening when we thought of how the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. We considered then as we went on past the gate, we came to this altar, this altar where the lamb would have been sacrificed, reminding us of our Savior, whom John the Baptist rightly stated is the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And of course, the wee lamb that the Israelite brought along was sacrificed for to atone for his sin. And of course, then last week, we went on the journey with the priest on past here, and we visited the laver. And of course the labor reminded us of the importance of God's word, how it cleanses our hands and our feet as we walk through this world and the Holy Spirit ministers to us and he aids us in understanding the word of God. So where are we headed this week? Well, finally we enter into this door here right at the right at the entrance of the tabernacle and we walk through into the tabernacle. So this door would have been found here. You can't quite see it. We can see our priests just walk right in, and this is what we're thinking about this evening, uh, the altar of incense, and you can see the incense rising up there, and it's before the curtain, and this place here was called the holy place. The tabernacle was split into two parts. This part was the holy place, 
And then down here is the Holy of Holies. This was the place where God dwelt. And there was this curtain just in front that, that divided the, the tabernacle into two parts. And we're now into the holy place. The holy place. There you would find the golden lampstand. You would find the table. Uh, the golden lampstand is here. The table of showbread. And then as we come tonight to consider the golden altar of incense. You know the golden altar of incense. It wasn't very big at all. In fact it was tiny. It was only three feet high. And you will note in the whole structure of the tabernacle. We find two altars. Uh, the first being the brazen altar which we've already dealt with a couple of weeks ago, then of course there is this golden altar of incense that we're dealing with this evening. Now listen, because this is important if we're to understand what the golden altar teaches us. No sacrifices happen on the altar of incense. The animal sacrificing was already done. Look at verse 9 of Exodus 30 please. Because we read there, it says, Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt offering, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. We see that this golden altar would have had this sweet incense burning on it, and the smell of it would have rose up to the heavens, as it were. Verse 7 and 8 we read, And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning, when he dresseth the lamps. And he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So if the first altar, the brazen altar, spoke of Calvary, what does, the, what does this golden altar, where this beautiful smelling incense, what does it speak of? What lessons does it teach us? Well, it speaks of Christ's ministry now. Right at this very moment. What happened at this altar? Well now the lessons we learn here are very practical and very powerful. You see part of the priest's ministry was to come to this place where he stood in the picture on the screen. It was to come to this place day by day and to lead the prayers of the nation. Of course many years later we can remember the priest Zachariah who we read of in the opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke, and he was married to Elizabeth, and they've been praying for a child for years. Elizabeth was barren and now old, and we find Zachariah where? We find him leading the nation in prayer at the altar of incense when the angel appears to him and says, Thy prayers are answered. Of course, the angel was speaking of the prayers for a child. You know the story, uh, you know the story, Zachariah couldn't believe it and he was struck dumb until this child was born and was named John. So this altar reminds us of the prayer life of the believer. But it goes further than that. This is all well and good, but we have to ask the question, why burn incense? What's the point in this? What was the incense? What's it got to do with prayer? Well, any Israelite would have known that they couldn't serve the Lord in their own merits. And when they prayed before this golden altar, the fragrance that rose from this sweet incense was as if their worship rose as a beautiful smell which was acceptable to God. Now, we know that this is symbolic because God is spirit. But it's a very powerful symbol because it teaches us a couple of very practical and powerful lessons. And the first is this, in whose name we pray. 
in whose name we pray. In the New Testament, when our Savior was teaching about prayer, he said these words in John chapter 16 and verse 24. He says, until now, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Dear brothers and sisters, the priests went in and continually made prayers on behalf of the people in the tabernacle. But we don't need this priest to represent us anymore. Because the fragrance of our prayers is not the sweet aroma of the altar of incense. Instead, our sweet aroma is that of our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose precious and powerful name we pray. Over and over again in scripture we read the words in my name, in Jesus' name, or in his name. The devils were powerless because of his name. The demons were cast out in his name. Healing occurred in his name. Salvation comes in his name. We baptize in his name. We are justified in his name. Everything we do and say is to be done in his name. But it is praying in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ that is this rising incense. It's what this rising incense here in the tabernacle, it's what it reminds us of. The Lord Jesus has invited, urged and commanded us to pray in his name and has promised incredible results. There's great power in the name of Jesus. If we pray in any other name, Literally, our prayer shall hit the roof. That's why Bill and Gloria Gaither penned that beautiful song, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms. Will all pass away. But there's something. About that name. The Lord Jesus. The mere mention of his name. Can calm the storm. Heal the broken. Raise the dead. At the name of Jesus. You can see a sin hardened man. Melted derelicts transformed. At the name of the Lord Jesus. Hope can be put into a hopeless orphan child. At the name of Christ. Hatred and bitterness can turn to love and forgiveness. An argument cease. Many a dying saint. Their body racked with pain. Uh, whose final fleeting words summoned with their last ounce of ebbing strength just to whisper our sweetest name, Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophers have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed the name of Christ, yet it still stands. There shall be a final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound. Every voice of Adam's race shall rise in one mighty chorus to proclaim the name of Jesus. For that day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is truly Lord. You see, it's not just mere chance that the angel went to visit that young virgin years ago and said his name shall be called Jesus. You know, if you, when you get home, a couple of passages that are great to read is John 14, 13 and 14. 
And John 16, 23 and 24, they're some of the most powerful verses in all of scripture related to prayer in our Savior's name. But what does it mean when we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, that fragrance of our prayers? Well, when we pray in the Savior's name, we are admitting the bankruptcy of our own name. When I pray in our Savior's name, I come boldly before God, not because of the power in my name, because of the power in my Savior's name. It's like a bride coming from abject poverty to marry a wealthy husband. And at the point that the woman takes the name of her husband all, and all that entails, she no longer acts in her name, but she acts in his name. And our Savior says, pray in my name, because I'm the one who makes you right before the Father. It says there's nothing to my name, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. When we pray in the Saviour's name, we are admitting the bankruptcy of our own name. But not only that, we identify with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus has literally given us his name. When I use that name, I'm confessing that he is mine and that I am his. Isn't that what the hymn writer recognizes when he pens in a love that cannot cease? I am his and he is mine. It's like going to the bank of heaven knowing that I have nothing deposited there. And if I go in my name, I'll get absolutely nothing because I have nothing to say. I have nothing stored there. But when I, but the Lord Jesus Christ has unlimited funds in heaven's bank. And he has granted me the privilege of going to the bank with his name on my checks. What a privilege for the child of God. You see... When we pray in his name, we're admitting the bankruptcy of our own name. When we pray in his name, we identify with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, we pray in his authority alone. We're like the person who picked up the policeman's hat. Wandered out into the busy road and began directing the traffic. The, the people in the cars follow the person's direct, direction because they are respected because of the position of authority that the policeman holds. To pray in his name is to ask by his authority. You know, on this golden altar, there were four horns. I wonder, do you remember from weeks ago what they remind us of? The horns speak of power and authority. And when you and I bow in prayer, we bow to his mastery. Because Jesus is Lord. Finally, or penultimately, we are representing him. And his interests here on earth when we pray in his name. You see, when the Lord saved us, we were pardoned from our sin in his name. And now it's as if this legal arrangement is known, uh, that he is known as our power of attorney. And in such matters, one person may represent another in his absence. They, they act in their behalf. The Lord Jesus acts in our behalf. The Lord Jesus has given every believer unlimited and general power of attorney in all matters with the right to use his name in every situation. So everything we do ought to be done in the sweet name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because we pray in his name and because he has given those rights, those power of eternity rights, we pray expectantly. 
when we pray in his name. When we pray in our Savior's name, we expect the answer in accord with his will and the value of his name. So we can pray with great and excited expectation. And so the Father hears our prayers only in the authority of the Savior's name. There's a name above all others. Wonderful to hear, bringing hope and cheer. It's the lovely name of Jesus. Evermore the same. What a lovely name. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says this. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. He deserves all our praise and honour and glory tonight. And you should direct your praise to heaven this evening. You, do, you know we don't meet to lift the name of the Baptist churches. Or any denomination. But we don't meet in any other name than that of the Lord Jesus. And we ought to lift his name high. And every time we praise our God, our prayers are brought before the throne of heaven. We read those verses in Revelation 8 verse 3. That verse and it says, And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Do you know what that is? That's the prayer of praise. That he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. It's an offering. And when we come to the Lord, don't come just with your shopping list. Come in adoration and tell him how much you love him and how much you, you want to live in gratitude from him. Accept him and look to him as the great holy God, the great and terrible God. That's what the psalmist says. Acknowledge that you're coming before the great God who has set his love upon you. That you're free tonight. Worship him. What a wonderful incense. That our prayers rise with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know the most beautiful picture for me. That's found in this altar of incense. Is this. It reminds us that our saviour prays for us. That's beautiful. That's lovely. You see, not only does it remind us that the prayers of the saints are rising in the powerful name of Christ, but I wonder, dear believer, are you finding things difficult in these days? I wonder, just this week, if you hit the wall, maybe you've ran out of steam, maybe you're at the end of the rope, and you just can't go on. Maybe you felt that way for a long time. Well, you know, let me tell you something. There was a golden crown there on that altar. Look at Exodus 30 and verse 3. It says, And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof, round about, and the horns thereof. And listen, And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And the golden crown about the altar, it reminds us of the Lord Jesus and how he is now crowned with glory and honour where prayer and worship are connected because the altar of incense, the, the prayers ascend to where Christ now is, crowned with glory and honour. And it teaches that the Lord, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, He's now crowned with glory and honour, his deity as it were, glorifying his perfect humanity and the crown of pure gold is upon my Saviour's head. And of course I am reminded that 
Only the priest would have walked into the holy place to come to this altar of incense on behalf of the people. But now I have a great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who brings my name before the Father. Hebrews 7, verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And today in your trial, today in your hour of temptation, he is there for you. He is in the presence of God the Father for us and he ever liveth to make intercession for you. There in heaven, praying for his blood-bought people, confessing our names and presenting them in all the savour and value of his own name. So hold on, dear dear believer, tonight because the Saviour loves you and he's praying for you and he intercedes for you and that's where our strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow comes from. I was listening to the testimony of a Christian who told the story of how at one point in their trials in life they were so heavily weighed down and his grandmother phoned him and said, when you're at the end of the rope, Tie a knot and hold on tight. She went on, she says, but remember, the Lord is holding you and he won't let go. The Lord Jesus never promised us that our cross wouldn't get heavy. He, he never promised that life would be easy, but he did promise his help would come. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And not only do we pray in his name, but dear believer, the Lord Jesus is bringing your name before the Father all the time. Do you remember how on earth the Savior would have just disappeared at times? And he would have been off praying to the Father. I'm sure he was bringing his disciples' names before the Father. And the Lord Jesus knows that each trial and temptation, he knows of each trial and temptation that comes your way. And he knows that there's no way that we can overcome these by ourselves. And he even knows that at times the devil will have the victory in these trials in our lives because of our humanness, we feel. But remember how he prayed for Peter. And he said, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Listening, but I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I have prayed for thee that, the, that thy faith fail not. Listen, the, the devil loves to get at you. And the devil loves to make you doubt to whom you belong. And he'll whisper lies into your ears. You're a Christian and you did this. He wants you to doubt your faith. The devil will tell you, you can't get involved in serving the Lord. You're giving in to that temptation. You let the Lord down all the time. He'll do everything to devalue your salvation, to undermine your faith. Peter let down the Lord, even after the Lord said that. But Peter's faith didn't fail. 
Think of how this man denied the Lord Jesus and yet he went on to be one of the great preachers in the early days in the Christian church after the Lord Jesus ascended back into heaven. You see, Satan wants to destroy saving faith. That's the old effort. Satan says to the Lord, let me at them and I'll destroy their trust in you. I'll destroy their faith in you. And you want to know something? If it was left up to us, he would. But listen, if you're a true, if you have a true believing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can never lose your salvation. He has you in the palm of his hand and he prays for you. Listen, if you and I could lose our salvation, we would lose it because we couldn't keep ourselves. But where possible it would happen. If I had to keep myself saved, I couldn't keep myself saved. So praise God, I'm in the Saviour's hand. And he's the one that keeps me. I know my faith cannot fail. Not because of me. But because of one who secures my faith by his own intercession. And when Satan goes according to Romans 8 before God. And lays an accusation before God against us. It doesn't stand. Why? Second Timothy 1 verse 12. Because I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Who can lay charge to God's elect? It is Christ that justifies. Christ has already paid in full the penalty of my sin, declared me as just, granted my righteousness, and therefore no condemnation can stand against us. We have been to the altar of sacrifice. We have been to the cross, and we are members of the blood-bought band. And it is sweet to know, as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. And Paul goes on to say, then what's going to separate us from the love of God? And the answer is absolutely nothing. Nothing. No accusation stands against us from the devil. Our great high priest is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? I love that. Christ says, I've prayed for you. You know, that very night the Lord told Peter he was praying for him, all 11 disciples. Who had genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ would flee and Peter would deny. But it wasn't a failure of faith. We all feel because of our human nature. Their faith did not fail. They all recovered. They repented and served the Lord. So dear child of God tonight. Take strength in the fact that the Lord Jesus loves you. And he keeps you. He prays for you. And he will see you through the trials of this life until one day we will be forever with the Lord. When all my labours and trials are o'er and I am safe on that beautiful shore just to be near the dear Lord I adore twill through the ages be glory for me. You know when I think of this wonderful altar of incense it reminds me that I have a God who specializes in the impossible. And after all, look at back all, at all that he has done through the ages. He has created this world. He has saved you. Christ is the one who rose from the dead. He has given us his word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Then think a minute about the prayers that he has answered for others. Abraham interceded for Sodom and God listened. Jacob interceded for Israel at Peniel and God listened. Israel cried out to God from Egypt and God listened. 
And all through the Bible, God has proven over and over again his willingness and ability to hear and answer prayer. And all he is looking for this evening is a people who believe him enough to call on his name in faith, in that powerful name, that sweet incense, the name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as we finish this evening, I ask my soul this own question as I ask yours. I wonder, do we pray enough? wonder do you pray enough how's your prayer life I wonder in your prayer life do you praise him enough think of that beautiful incense what a picture that we find there that wee golden altar and you know it's the same as the fire remember how the fire at the brazen altar it burned and it had to continually burn and that reminded us of how God's wrath and judgment continually burns. Well, when we get to the altar of incense, it reminds us that the saints' prayers should be continually rising. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the sea, the Lord's name is to be praised. What lessons we learn from this altar in whose name we pray. And most amazingly, he prays for me. Let's pray together. Our Father, we bow in adoration and praise the evening. For Father, as we have gone on our journey through the tabernacle. We thank you that, Father, for each of us this evening that we have entered in through that door, that only door, that, that we've gone by the way of the cross, that, Father, we think of the labor and how precious your word is to us each day as we read it, as it cleanses us from the filth that we pick up from this world. And, Father, as we step in through the door of the tent and as we March forward up to that curtain and just before it, that altar of incense. How many lessons, Father, it teaches us. It teaches us that we ought to come before thee often and worship and magnify and praise your name in prayer. That, that our prayers would be found in that uh, golden altar of incense, found there in your kingdom as we read in Revelation. That, Father, our praises would be found before thy name continually and that you would be pleased by the worship of our hearts. And Father, so often we are so poor at this. So often we come to you just with our prayer list. Oh, Father, may we adore you more. May we lift your name high again in our own personal lives, in our own private times as we pray. Oh, God, you are worthy to be praised. For you have sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Father, how he has gone to the cross and purchased our freedom. And Father, we have so much that we owe thee. And our lives that so, so often are just pathetic. When we think of how much we could serve you. And how much we owe you. Help us to lay our lives upon the altar for you. Father, we thank you that when we come to pray, that we don't pray in our own name or any other name. Because, Father, if we prayed in our name, our gathering this evening would be in vain because we, we would just be saying words to each other that mean nothing. 
But we thank you in whose name we pray. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest. And we thank you, Father, that as we pray this evening, that as we pray in his name, that our prayers go way beyond the roof of this building, that they go to the throne room of heaven. We thank you for the audience that we have with you. We thank you that we can come boldly into thy presence, not because of our own merits, but because of our Saviour's. But Father, the wonder of wonders for us this evening is this. Yes, we pray in our Saviour's name. But we have a Saviour who, Savior who ever makes intercession for us. That my name is brought before you by my Saviour constantly. And that's how I know that my faith will be made strong. Even, Father, when we feel you and when temptations come and when we give in, as Father, you will draw us back to yourself because we belong to him. Thank you, Father, that we're held in our Saviour's hand. And we thank you that our Saviour went on to say that we're held in the Father's hand. As he said, I and my Father are one. We thank you, Father, for this double security we have. We thank you, Father, that that day and hour that we placed our trust in Christ, that we were saved for time and eternity. Oh God, we can't wait until the day that we're with thee forevermore. But Father, we thank you in these days, in this sin-sick world, when trials and temptations come our way, that, Father, we can pray in the authority of our Saviour's name, and that our Saviour is praying for us. Father, as we come to this time of prayer, surely it makes it sweeter for us, knowing these things, being reminded of these things, that you are near, and that we have a wonderful Saviour. Father, as we come to the time of prayer just now, will you hear our prayer? We thank you, you do. And we pray that you would answer it in your holy will, and we ask this in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen.